Michael Byrd, all panicky after his itchy trigger finger, uh, grabbed his gun and shot Ashley Babbitt. He's saying some things there that are untrue. Uh, we have been shot and we are prepared to shoot back. He had already shot them and there was no incoming fire. Now, we believe that that audio sequence you just heard came from within maybe a minute after, after, after he shot Ashley Babbitt. That's Michael Byrd's voice seeming to... Uh, I don't know, trying to, what do they say? Create a narrative, a narrative that he was under fire and then they returned fire. He returned fire. A fake news narrative that uh, largely, well, it's kind of worked in a weird way for him. But I think his luck is running out and the truth is coming. And one of the brave truth tellers about January 6th and so much more is my next guest, Cara Castronova. Uh, you know her from uh, network TV, and you know her from The Ring. She was a champion boxer, but she has really provided a public service in advocating for these people. So many of them have been unjustly prosecuted and thrown in jail. Kara, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. You bet. Hey, number one, first, uh, I don't know how much you are aware of this, but the uh, the by, the Aaron Babbitt lawsuit, if you go through the thing, it's dynamite stuff filed almost three years to the day of January 6th, and uh, the allegations against Byrd, I mean, my gosh, he violated the Capitol Hill police rules, and it looks like the law, and uh, he's filling in a lot of blanks for us. What do you think of that thing? I mean, it's a great lawsuit. I'm so glad they got it filed. Uh, a number of other lawsuits are filed as well. But I read through it, and I saw all of the stuff uh, that you're talking about regarding uh, Michael Byrd shooting at a car of kids that were driving, that a, a stolen vehicle. He just opened fire on the vehicle, apparently. Some of the bullets ricocheted and hit neighboring houses. So this is a really kind of deranged guy that obviously shouldn't have been, you know, trusted with a gun, with a firearm in the Capitol, who doesn't, you know, who's, he's notoriously a bad shot, obviously. It says, I mean, apparently it says that in the lawsuit as well. So I'm hoping that through discovery, and I've spoken to Aaron Babbitt, he's a friend of mine as well, as well as some of the lawyers from Judicial Watch, they're really hopeful that a lot of discovery will shed some light on what happened that day on January 6th and who was giving orders and why people and officers like Michael Byrd were acting so you know, I guess so out of line with the law and shooting at, at uh, Trump supporters and others were seen beating female Trump supporters as well. So do me a favor. Give us the lay of the land right now. I, I got to admit, my head is a little bit spinning because there are a lot of names that are emerging people now uh, filing lawsuits. And uh, you got Ray Epps floating around out there. Just big picture right now. What's happening with January 6th uh, from from your perspective? What Where do things stand? Well, big picture right now is it's the three-year marker, and they're still saying, and people are panicking because, you know, the government is still saying that they're going to come out and arrest thousands more this year, people that were just outside meandering around, and they're just terrorizing people. So uh, because of the three-year marker, the statute of limitations ran up for a lot of things. So there were about, I'd say, five to eight lawsuits filed right before January 6th on January 1st, 2nd, and 5th. Uh, one of those lawsuits being a gentleman who encountered Ray Epps that day and felt like he was 
you know, entrapped somewhat by Ray Epps, and he's a J6 defendant who has a trial next month. So he's suing Ray Epps. He filed the lawsuit on Friday, last Friday, um, suing Ray Epps for conspiracy, for conspiring with the government to, and this is, you know, alleged, this alleges everything in his lawsuit that he, that Ray Epps conspired with the government to pretty much, uh, you know, rile up the crowd and um, violate people's constitutional rights. So it's a really interesting lawsuit that is out there right now, and it's up on the Gateway Pundit. We posted an article on it today, and Ray Epps was actually sentenced today. To, uh, the uh, prosecutor had asked for six months, which, as we know, is a ridiculously um, low request, considering that they were asking for 33 years for Enrique Taria, who got 22 years in jail. Ray Epps wound up getting no jail time. He was sentenced today to one-year probation with no restrictions on his travel, six months um no, I'm sorry, 100 hours of community service and to pay a $500 restitution. Ray Epps was sentenced just today to one-year probation? To one-year probation. All right, now here's the deal. Let's do me a favor because uh, there are all kinds of uh, allegations about Ray Epps floating around, and I don't really understand who Ray Epps is and what's really going on here. What is the thinking? Now, I've seen him on video where he says, you know, we have to go to the Capitol. We have to go to the Capitol. And he does say peacefully, but everybody in the crowd seems to think he's a Fed. And then there's another time where he's witnessed uh, whispering to somebody. And that's really all I know about I mean, Ray Epps. It's, it's, it's a crazy story because, you know, I guess if you looking in, like, you could say, okay, you know, he was saying things that I guess are constitutionally protected. But the fact of the matter is other people on January 6th that said things that were way less are being convicted of multiple years in jail. Like just people for, that were walking outside or walked in peacefully or said something like, whose house, our house, that speech was held against them at trial and they were all convicted to jail time. Whereas Ray Epps was seen on January 5th and January 6th uh, encouraging people to go into the Capitol, saying that we're going to go into the Capitol, the Capitol's this way, directing the crowd constantly to go into the Capitol. Um, and also he was seen pushing a metal flag into a group of cops. And a lot of the people that were just touching that flag that had their hand on that flag that day were all convicted and sentenced to jail time for it. He was the one who actually was pushing the flag and who was directing the pushing of the flag. So there's so many things that he was doing in the crowd that day between, uh, he was at, he was at the first two breaches at the, at the very first breach where he was seen whispering in uh, Ryan Samsell's ear right before Ryan Samsell pushed down a gate. They put Joe Biggs, who was a, a proud boy, in jail for 17 years, and they alleged that that Joe Biggs was the one who actually whispered something to Ryan Samsel and made him push through that gate. And that happened minutes before, while Ray Epps whispered in his ear, literally a couple seconds before he blasted through a gate. So what do we think? Like, what's the theory about Ray Epps? What is the theory? What do we think? A lot of people think he's a federal agent, and I think that their suspicions are warranted because of the way that he's been treated with these kid gloves. You know, today he was sentenced uh, to no jail time, and the prosecutors have repeatedly gotten his back. It's very weird how the prosecutors are like, this guy is not a Fed. He's a great guy. He's been bullied by the media. He's been bullied by far right-wing extremists. So when you have prosecutors actually standing up for a guy, and when you have the New York Times writing fluff pieces on him, calling him a victim of January 6th, and then the Washington 
Washington Post and MSNBC in 60 Minutes are doing hero pieces on him, you know something's not like legit or kosher there. It just doesn't make sense because he was seen that day uh, pushing the crowd to go into the Capitol. So the fake news generally will report very unfavorably on anybody doing something like that on January 6th. But for whatever the reason, they're all in lockstep with calling him a hero and calling him a victim and saying that he, you know, he's a victim of these far-right extremists who have ruined his life with their conspiracy theories. All right. Very interesting. I got to see that. I have not seen the flagpole stuff. I'm interested. I want to see it. I'll look at it. I'll look forward. Uh, yeah, it's a real head scratcher. Hey, so uh, some women have been injured uh, as well. And, and some of these names I had not heard of before. Can you tell me about uh, some of that? A woman who was, uh, I guess, allegedly assaulted by Capitol Police? There was a woman named Victoria Ray who, who was assaulted. The video's out there for the public to see. Um, and she was punched in the head, uh, I think it was up to 30 times, in a very, very, you know, the guy was turning into the punches like he was Mike Tyson. Then he hit her over the head, uh, I think about a dozen times with a metal stick that's used to break windows. It's not even meant to hit people. And, uh, she, you know, she suffered brain injuries from this. She was bleeding. She blacked out. They, he beat, they beat her so bad that her jacket and her shoes came off of her. And she was thrown back into the street later on in the day with no jacket and with no shoes. So, uh, you know, she really suffered, and she's suing the police. And, you know, she's also suing Mike Johnson, Speaker Mike Johnson, to do an investigation into her beating and into the violence on January 6th that were perpetrated towards protesters that day, trying to get to the bottom of why police were acting so, I guess, out of character. So Victoria White is one that is suing that not many people know about. There um, were a number of other women that were beaten that day, and video has emerged, but unfortunately most of them are afraid to come forward and sue because they don't want to be targeted by the government. Victoria was already sentenced to jail time, so she doesn't really have that fear because she was already tried and sentenced and she pled out, yeah. and now she's suing. And then you know, of course, the story of Roseanne Boyland, who was beaten as well, and still nobody knows her story, which is very sad. Hopefully this year things will change, and Mike Johnson will order an investigation into January 6th. Hopefully All right, let me jump in for a second. I want to ask you this, though. Overall, here's a theory that I – look, we saw cops uh, – with the doors open, letting people in. We saw that. I, you know, it's just incredible. My theory is, and it might have been done through a wink and a nod. I'm not sure how they pulled this off, but, uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, the Democrats, they were afraid of hearing the objections. They were afraid of the objections. They were afraid of what would come out that day. And it's interesting. You know, people say the, ro- the, the protesters were out to stop the counting of electoral votes. I don't think that's the case. I think that they were let in to so that the objections would be halted. The objections to the electoral count would be halted. The debate would stop and you'd have to certify the election just, you know, because, oh, after all, it's been violent and we have to. And a lot of people did. They got scared and they withdrew their objections. Well, you're one of the only people who have actually been able to pick up on that because it's absolutely true. Not many people. I mean, it's so obvious, but most people just it just goes over their head that what was going on that day was an objection to the electoral certification. There were multiple people like Gosar, who was the one who was interrupted, Representative Gosar. He was actually about to present information to all of the network TV that was there uh, filming. Like they were not uh, they were not filming the Trump rally. They were actually had the cameras focused for the first time on people that were going to bring arguments about why they felt that the election was stolen, all of the things that happened during the election that was not legitimate or, in their mind, not legitimate. And the American public had never seen this information before. It was really something that was only shared on right-side media and alt-right media. And now for the first time, 
the mainstream media was going to be forced to cover it because all cameras were on these representatives that were going to bring these arguments that day. So you're absolutely right in saying that the only people who had to lose that day by this uh, quote-unquote break-in of the Capitol were Trump supporters and people who wanted to see these arguments made by these senators and by these representatives. That got interrupted. The objections got interrupted to the Electoral College being certified, not the actual certification. So all of these crimes they're charging people with, like obstructing the certification of the Electoral College, isn't even a valid crime because that's not what was actually happening that day. People were objecting, and the only people who had anything to gain from that was Nancy Pelosi, was people who were actually you know, trying to suppress this type of speech and this type of information from getting out to the public. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Wow. Um, Hey, by the way, it's constitutional to raise an objection to an election. It happens every election. It actually happens every single election. What doesn't happen, though, those concerns are usually not as widespread and I think uh, responsibly and deeply held as they were regarding the 2020 election. So you had very serious people, not just one-off congressmen like Jamie Raskin in 2017, uh, under the Electoral Account Act, you need a, a member of the House and a senator, and it's got to be in writing. And they had all that stuff, and it was actually it was actually happening. Uh, all right, so Kara, uh, what you said you said something you said alt right media. What do you mean by alt right media? Well, they like. I mean, that's probably the word, wrong way to put that. People that are, I guess, you know, nowadays there's there's mainstream media, then there's great organizations like Newsmax, and then there's there's organizations like Gateway Pundit, like Revolver News, like Epoch Times, where like a subset of people only read it. So people that are perceived to be on the right, but really I call them classical liberals that just believe in freedom and believe in freedom of speech and don't believe in throwing people in jail for exercising their constitutional rights. So there's a whole new type of media right now out there, and it's a threat to the mainstream media because they. They generally don't have to follow the false narratives that the mainstream media is forced to push because of who's backing them. So they're able to report more accurately. And, uh, you know, they're really the people who have been reporting most on January 6th and on other topics that people tend to stay away from in the mainstream media or they tend to suppress. Well, uh, they're providing a real service, a real service. And so are you. And forgive me for this is out of left field, Cara Castronova, but what is your ethnicity? I'm Chinese and Italian. You know, it's interesting. I had a feeling that you might be Asian uh, part, but whatever. Why I ask is that so many people on the left um, mischaracterize us as being kind of race-oriented or racist or, you know, xenophobes or, or something like that. And we're not, obviously. It's about ideas, not what's on the outside. And, you know, when they say we're MAGA extremists, I don't know what that I mean, what's wrong with supporting the idea of a border and legal immigration and less regulation, less taxes, uh, uh, preserving the uh, innocence of children? These are not right wing extremist ideals, are they? No, they're not. I mean, they're just human ideals. And, you know, it's really crazy to me that I've been 
called a right-wing extremist, you know, in the past couple of years just because, like, I believe in – I'm a free speech extremist. I believe, uh, you know, in bodily autonomy and that you shouldn't have to get a vaccine if you don't want to. And all of these things have some – I believe in due process. And somehow I've landed on the side of being somehow an alt – like, you know, labeled and mislabeled as an alt-right person when really I consider – I've always considered myself a classical liberal, left the Tem- Democrat Party because they completely jumped – you know, they jumped the shark. They've, they've lost their minds and they don't stand for free speech and anything that I believe in, but it's just a, you know, it's just a way that the, the Democrats right now, unfortunately in history, they race bait, they try to shame people like me that are minorities, uh, that are female, people in the LGBT community, anybody that wants to join the Republican Party, they'll call them a self-hating gay person, or, you know, an Uncle Tom, or some uh, self-hating Jewish person, like the horrible slurs they come up with to shame people from joining the Republican Party, or even considering yeah. voting for someone like Donald Trump is really horrific and racist. Hey, forgive me again, how old are you? I'd rather not say, but let's just say I'm not young, I'm not young or I'm not old. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, <laughs> you you ran for the state assembly, and you got to tell the people at some point. Look, oh. I asked because I think you got a big future. You're remarkably articulate. You're remarkably smart. You uh, and you're you're so tenacious. Uh, you ran for the assembly. Uh, you lost that one, but most uh, most people who make it big in politics lose their first race. Um, what's the next move for you? Well, you're right about that, too, because my, with, with the politics, actually, someone recently said that to me, and I looked into it, and it's sort of like boxing, which I also was like a lot of boxers lose their first title fight before they win. So hopefully I do, you know, I would love to go into Congress one day. I had been interested in running for Santos's seat, but that didn't, that didn't work out, and they actually got a really fantastic candidate. I know her well, but... I would love to go to Congress just for the simple fact that I would go there as a populist candidate and I would, you know, fight for truth, for freedom. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be in lockstep necessarily, I don't think, with with any party. I think I would go there with an independent mind. Well, um, we love it, Kara. You look for the next opportunity and uh, we'll be there for you. Kara Castronova. Check her out on social media. Kara Castronova. Castro, N-O-U-V-O. N-U-O-V-A. Kara uh, Castronova on Twitter. N-U-O-V-A. N-U-O-V-A. Castronova. Thank you very much, Kara. And uh, our best to all the January Sixers, the ones who have been overly penalized and prosecuted and persecuted, those who did not hurt anybody or break anything. A lot of innocent people in jail right now. Thank you very, very much. We'll be right back.